Hey everyone, I'm Tangia Renee, your host, and I'm tickled silly to bring you season two of That's What She Did, a podcast about women leaders, innovators, and rebels you've probably never heard of. I'm bringing you stories about remarkable warrior women, rabble rousers, fearless truth tellers, empire builders, and so much more. This season, shaking things up a bit and bringing you a new co-host for each episode. That means each week you get to hear directly from a woman of impact and learn all about her badassery that she's creating in the world while we gab about current events or whatever's on our minds. And of course, we'll be highlighting the stories of incredible women from all over the world that will inspire you on your journey. You don't want to miss this because when you bring together lady bosses to talk about other lady bosses, and maybe throw in a drink or two, well, anything could happen. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe to That's What She Did, the podcast. Smooches! Hey there, Inspiration Junkies. It's your host, Tangia Renee, and I have a quick listener shout-out. I want to say thank you to a listener by the screen name of Happy Day X. They wrote on iTunes reviews, I think it's amazing that you guys are highlighting the stories of women who haven't gotten the shine they deserve. Bless you. We're right back at you, Happy Day X. Thanks so much for your review. For everyone else, please keep in mind this season is almost at an end. We only have a couple episodes left, and I need to hear from you if you want this show to come back in 2019. So send me an email. That's what she did podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on social. That's what she did podcast on IG or on Twitter with just the initials podcast and let me know. Welcome to another episode of That's What She Did. I'm excited to have two incredible women on the podcast today because they're good friends. And because they're my good friends and this is my podcast, I can do whatever I want. So I've decided (laughs) (laughs) that they're going to join me here today, not just because they're my good friends and I love them to death, but because they're actually really cool. And since this is a podcast about impactful women doing impactful things I get to bring my impactful friends so <laughs> yeah, well thank you <laughs> you're welcome so today uh, co-hosting we have Erica Reyes Martinez director of communications and community engagement for Denver Public Library and Valerie Herrera associate city planner for the city and county of Denver in the department of community planning in and development, correct? Yes. Did I get all that right? Yes. It's a mouthful, man. You guys got big jobs. (laughs) So my good friend Erica is communications and marketing leader for over 15 years with experience in developing and executing multifaceted external and internal. What's a Marcon plan? Marketing communications. Marketing communications plan. Thank you for the public, (laughs) private, and nonprofit (laughs) sectors. She's busy. Very, very busy. She's also uh, one of the founders of Colorado's first Latino, Latina, excuse me, philanthropic giving circle called Latina Gives and is a member of the, you're a member of the board, right? For the Denver Foundation? I am. I just, I'm actually fairly new to the board, so. But yay, you. I know, that's pretty exciting. Go, Erica. And Valerie Herrera, again, my good friend, who is an associate city planner, is all about young professionals. She says, my goal is continuously learn and grow as a young professional in local government 
and the field of urban and regional planning, which is really cool. I don't know any women in urban and regional planning except you. And I strive to be a strong leader and role model for minority women. My ultimate goal, living life with a purpose and meaning and to show others that they can pursue anything they desire. Amen, sister. Welcome. Thank you for having us. I'm super excited. I'm super excited because we always have fun. Yes. Right. It's like hanging out. Yeah. It's like hanging out with your friends and just maybe about talking about some stuff that we already talk about, which is kind of weird to do on a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Hey, it's all good. Whatever gets the word out, right? Yeah, exactly. So you guys have some interesting things happening, but there's, but before we get into that, um, coincidentally, you're both from El Paso. Yeah, we are. Big coincidence. It's a small world. It is. It is. Both from El Paso, both ended up in Denver. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. What was that like for you being a transplant to Denver, but making this place your own? I'll let Erica start because she's been here much longer than I. So Yeah, I definitely have. So I have been here since I was uh, like a month short of 12 years old. And so my mom and I moved out here because there was more opportunity here than there were than there were in El Paso. So um, I've been here um, for a very long time and I feel like I'm native-ish, but I know that folks who are native don't necessarily <clears throat> let me claim that. <laughs> I know, exactly, my husband included. Um, but, you know, I feel like for me, one of the things that was really interesting about moving here, um, coming from a border town, is that I feel like in El Paso, um, I grew up being an American kid, mm-hmm. um, even though I knew that I you know, I was uh, Latina. And so, but I was American. I was born in America. And so when I moved to Colorado, it was a little bit of a culture shock because Colorado really identified people in that way. And so I remember having a conversation with somebody and um, they asked me about it. And I said, well, I'm American. And they said, no, you're not. You're Mexican. And I'm like, (laughs) well, yeah, I am. But I was born in America, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that does make me American. And so long story short, I feel like that process of moving here and, um, you know, just going through the changes, the culture shock was really big. But I think one of the great things and or great lessons about that, um, that experience is that now I truly walk through this earth as a proud Latina Mm -hmm. and like there is no nothing about it that like. I don't apologize for it anymore. And so um, I feel like that really helped me um, just become my own person and understand like what makes me proud and and how I want to walk this earth. So yeah, I mean, there was a ton of different things um, that were really scary about the move, being so young um, and coming here with a single mom. Mm -hmm. Um, But I absolutely love Colorado and I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've been able to have here. So, yeah. We accept you, Erica. Thank you. <laughs> I've been here for almost 29 years. I mean, it's long enough, right? Yeah. If you can be a, a New Yorker after 10 years, then you can definitely be a Denverite yeah. after 20 whatever years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. And I tell people that I was here before all the traffic, <laughs> before there was traffic. It's a, and, an important marker in right? the development of Denver when there you could get anywhere in 20 minutes and now exactly. you can't get out of downtown in 20 minutes exactly <laughs> so and did you did you get to see it when it was like a true cow town 
It was never a cowtown. See, <laughs> see, never. did she just call just it a cowtown? Shut it, shut it. Hey, <laughs> I've heard natives refer to Denver as the cowtown, no, and it you will always no. be. No, I never considered it a cowtown. I, I mean, coming from El Paso, it was it's a felt cool bigger cowtown. Yeah, it definitely is a cool <laughs> cowtown. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with a cowtown. Cowboy boots are amazing, and I encourage everybody to go out and get a really awesome pair of sparkly cowboy boots there you go but it w- i never felt like it was a cow town but i do remember it being a lot smaller i do re- i mean i w- moved here before uh people started calling the north side highlands and so mm-hmm. i know. remember when that happened i was in college and i was sitting next to this girl in class one time and, and she was like oh i just moved to the highlands and i was like highlands ranch <laughs> and she goes no the highlands and i was like where's that and she was like, oh, 44th and Lowell. And I just looked at her and I said, the north side? You moved to the yeah. north side. Yeah. And she was like, no, it's called the Highlands. And I was like, no, never heard that before. No, oh, <laughs> no, it's called the north side. The north so, you know, I feel like that should give me <laughs> sort of permission to call myself native-ish. Fair, but fair. Yeah, I'd say you'd qualify. Thanks. You don't qualify yet. (laughs) She does not. Not at all. So (laughs) I've only been here, it'll be two years come this January, actually. And uh, so I've been in El Paso my whole entire life. I'd never moved anywhere else until I took the big leap here. Um, So for me, definitely the first thing I I will say that was most shocking was the culture shock, right? Mm -hmm. Because you first get here and I mean, coming from a place like El Paso, we're 85% Hispanic demographic. There's a bunch of brown people like myself walking around (laughs) everywhere. And they they talk English and Spanish. mm -hmm. Like it's awesome, And not only that, but you know, Juarez, Mexico is right across the border. We call it our sister city. People live, work on both sides. Mm -hmm. So... For me, like that was what I grew up in, you know, so that was what was normal to me. And then I came here and was like, oh, my God, I stick out like a sore thumb, you know, (laughs) especially working in planning, 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 where it's one very male dominated um, field already. And then being in Denver, you know, you've got about 78 percent that identify as white. So, I mean, it's a, a big portion of that demographic. But then you meet cool people like Erica here, who is one of you. And, and you know, she just introduced me to this whole Latino community here in Denver and like brought that out for me and helped me kind of gain my roots back when I felt like I didn't belong. Um, so I do want to thank you for that because Aww, that so was super helpful. Being in a place away from my family, away from the norm, you know, out of my element and to begin with, I didn't even think I'd get hired here because, you know, here I am, this little planner in El Paso, like, you know, just living my regular life. And I put in this application and, you know, it was amazing how from one thing led to the next, it moved so fast for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I never thought I would leave El Paso. So to be here is not only a great opportunity, but right now in the time of change, right? Because that's a big deal right now. Like, We've got 78 statistical neighborhoods in the city and county mm-hmm. of Denver. You know, the Highlands is just one of them. Northside. And North side. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to top that off, each neighborhood has its own character, its own vibe, its own feel. And, you know, you've got your urban core and then you've got suburban kind of on the outskirts. So mm-hmm. understanding that world and identifying that in the city and county of Denver was not only a big challenge for me, but part of the growth that I've been able to experience here 
But, you know, I just feel really grateful to be here and, and be a part of this machine right now because things are changing and they're changing fast. Population is growing every single day. So to be yeah. a part of this is <laughs> a big deal. Traffic. I feel like <laughs> I feel like this part of Denver, this series of growth, if you may, mm-hmm. is going to be in history books that like kids in the future are going to be reading about you know how denver grew so fast so to be here is a, it's a big deal you know so i guess you you know i never thought about it that you have a different perspective on growth than someone like me who's not in planning city planning at all and really don't know anything about it so when you think about a, a town like denver and the growth i mean is it really unusual it's very unusual yeah. i mean especially compared to where i'm from in el paso i mean just to give you an example you can get a house in a great location, three bedrooms, uh, under a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, was here, that ever a reality here? Well, uh, yeah, probably about like and 25, 30 years ago. So here, that same house would start at five fifty. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah, for easy. me, that is like alone, astronomically different. I mean, people can't afford that, mm-hmm. you know, and and what we're seeing built today and built now is not accommodating the average Joe, you right. know, and that's that's part of the issue, you know, and, and that's what I go to work every day for is like, how do we solve that? How do we think of solutions and strategies to help people that are be- being involuntarily displaced because it's happening every day? You know, I mean, I feel like that's also why I got hired was, you know, to because they staffed up so much of the planning department. I mean, after I got hired a year and, you know, over a year and a half ago, um, I probably about five, six other planners came after me and all to challenge these big, big questions of like, how do we accommodate affordable housing in the city? Like, how do we make the city affordable for people to live here, stay here? People that have lived here their whole lives, mm-hmm. they're being priced out every day. Yep. You know, connectivity and transportation. We just talked about the traffic. That's another really big element of that. Like, how do we get people to and from where they need to be safely and convenient? And as you know, just to help people out, you know, some people don't have cars. So here in Denver, you have the train to rely yeah. on or you have these incredible bus routes that are very reliable the city that I come from, we don't have a train. We don't have bus routes that are functional and reliable. You know, I will say it. And so coming <laughs> here, it's like all of that just stands out to me because it's so wonderful that the city provides all this opportunity. So that's just my perspective not being from here, you know? That's interesting. I think, yeah, I totally think it's interesting because I feel like – so I grew up in the north side um, <laughs> when I moved here. And um, – when I finally got to a point where I could actually afford to buy a house, I couldn't afford to buy a house in the same neighborhood mm-hmm. that I grew up in. And that was, what, gosh, that was probably around early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was like already 18 years ago Wow. when I decided that I wanted to buy a house and I couldn't afford to live in the north side anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's different, you know, very different perspective and growth is, yeah. is great, but then it also has come at the expense of people absolutely have been here for generations yeah Yeah. and I feel like that's just in like the last and from talking to people that have lived here you know in the last like five to seven years Mm has been that big shift in everything you know and I and I feel like 
not being from here, when you're trying to find something to do, it's like you have to narrow down what you want to do on yeah. that day because there are so many options, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the Rocky Mountains as your backyard. You've got major league teams. You've got all these incredible things to offer people and so many pedestrian-friendly environments that, I mean, it's just going to drive more and more people here. Like It's like the motherland of of pedestrian friendliness you know is it really wow it is wow i mean i guess i didn't think about it like denver's been ranked the number one city in the united states a couple of times right so i mean there's a reason for that you know Mm -hmm. denver's one of the most thriving cities in the united states right now other cities look to us and you know ask us how how we're getting it right but also we're looking to them to figure out how we can come up with solutions like stuff for affordable housing or you know what how can we better the community and it's a matter of getting out there too and humanizing yourself you mm-hmm. know like I, I i wanted to mention the planning world again as the you know it's male dominated it's very introverted um uh you know personality so mm-hmm. being an extrovert and being this loud crazy latina also <laughs> put me out of my element you know are you like the unicorn in your office she yes. totally is <laughs> yes i am best friends with the cleaning lady her name is maria and she is an incredible woman I bet <laughs> she is. yes and uh and so i've brought a, a definitely a lot of flavor and vibe i love it you know love that. and and i want the community to know that there are people in the departments that look like them Mm -hmm. that are experiencing the same thing as them you know I have a master's degree and you know I have this great job but I'm barely making it financially and and able to to pay my rent and pay my bills so can you imagine someone in a blue collar job getting paid hourly like like how are they how how badly are they struggling well they don't live in Denver you know what I mean and so they have to commute Mm -hmm. super far they've got to deal with all these other barriers and they can't enjoy their city yep and that's not fair Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I just try to think about it from both perspectives. It's like, here's the planning world. Yes, it's technical and we look at statistics and we like we love maps and stuff. But like also from, you know, this other perspective of just being a resident, of just being someone that's a part of your community. Mm-hmm. Like, are you satisfied? You know, do you like the, the neighborhood you live in? And if not, what are the things you don't like about it? How can we make it better? And that's why I really love my job. Mm hmm. So what about for like young girls in high like high school age going into college? Why should they consider a career in planning? I cuz I can tell you that's never been a career that was ever once on my radar. I didn't know what it was until I got into college. I was like, "Wait, it's somebody's job to name streets, right? Who does that?" Oh, I didn't even <laughs> know until after. Yeah, I right? I had the first time I heard about it was in college and it was because I was in class with a guy that I was like partnered with in a group yeah. and he was doing something with city planning and I was like so what is that yeah <laughs> no I totally get and it's a great question and you know I'll tell you a story so I also up until my junior year of my bachelor's degree did not know what planning was I was originally going to school for social work and I thought that my heart was in that degree and that field until I started taking the concentration classes and mm-hmm. I realized oh my God, I don't have a solid enough heart to deal with these type of things. I'm going to end up with like 40 adopted kids. (laughs) What do I do? I'm at almost the end of my bachelor's degree. Like I felt like I was just in this hole and I couldn't get out. So I ended up taking an elective course during my social work degree plan. And it was called Urban Planning, Planning for Sustainability. Mm -hmm. And who knows why that's on the social work curriculum, but it was on there. And I feel like it was like my 
my my sign like my foot in the door you know because mm-hmm. I took this course I got an A I sat in the front I was so interested I mean urban planning like who would have known you know when you think of planning you think of like event planning right you know like you know people don't know what urban planning I mean it just sounds really boring yeah I'll be it honest. does That's yeah it, it's not attractive <laughs> I totally get that but you know so I got the A in this course and the professor Carlos Gainar he just happened to be the deputy director for the city of El Paso's planning department and pulled me aside at the end of the semester and was like, hey, you know, I see you're really interested in urban planning. Like, do you want to do an internship with the city? And I was like, absolutely. I would love that. You know, of course, I took that opportunity on and I worked for what was supposed to be a year, learned maps, you know, got a certification in geographic information systems and met all these cool planners, you know, in Mm -hmm. El Paso and got to see what that world was like. And I just fell in love with it. Um, And then, you know, at my year, I was like, well, you know, I guess I'll pursue a master's because I haven't seen a job opening. Well, at that time, one was available. And so they, you know, my my director said, stick around. If you can stay here another five, six months, like we can try to work you in and and hopefully, you know, you pass the exam, get interviewed and and come on board with us because we really want to have you. So I was like, okay, you know, so I passed the exam. I got number 23 out of 25 without any kind of planning background, right? I mean, this is just based off of the incredible mentors I had at the city of El Paso that provided me with like this guidance and told me what to study and like helped me, you know? And so I got interviewed and I got hired on October 6th of 2014 and I've been a planner since. Um, but that's how planning was introduced to me was through an elective course of a social work curriculum. And other than that, you know, going back to young girls and, you know, how, how they can discover this if it's something that interests them. I mean, I think it's just a matter of getting involved in your community, because one thing that I really appreciate about Denver's community and the relationship between the city government, local government and the communities is that it, there is that transparency there. You know, and um, the neighbors, the residents, the registered neighborhood organizations, the stakeholders in the neighborhoods, they're very involved mm-hmm. in, in any, you know, anything that comes up. They're at our events. They're at planning, you know, meetings. You know, it doesn't matter how boring it's going to be. Like, they'll take the time off their Tuesday night and go to this meeting and provide feedback and provide, like, you know, guidance and if we're doing things right or not. And that's what I really appreciate here. So I think it's just a matter of, like, you know, tying yourself in, asking right. questions like, where, how did they, how, where do these street names come from? <laughs> like, how is this grid made? Like, why is this multifamily, big three-story building next to my little one-story single-family home? Why is that allowed? You know, mm-hmm. and so it's like just looking at your surroundings and understanding like the world that's that it's made up of. You know, because that's really what planning touches on is like again that connectivity the transit how are you getting places you know are you enjoying where you live work and play because that's that's the goal right that's fascinating i think what's really interesting about your question uh, tangia is that um there are a lot of different careers where you're just really not exposed to them and so for me it's always been about you know students will have will be able to choose really good careers if they have a lot of really good options Mm -hmm. and so I think what's really important is to I think as we right as we get older and as we um, find ourselves in situations where there's younger people around Mm -hmm. and identifying what are their strengths 
and also figuring out just sort of what are the things that they could potentially do. So I feel like I definitely fell into my career because I was having a conversation with my advisor in college. I thought I wanted to do psychology. Wow. I wanted to be a psychologist. And then, then I know you're laughing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're just too outgoing like to be sitting in I some office somewhere like I don't know, but I thought it was really, problems. yeah, <laughs> I no. see you do, I think you would be bored. Well, <laughs> like, apparently it didn't work out, which was <laughs> a-okay with me, but I think, I, I think that, that experience, right, when I went to my advisor and I'm like, okay, so it's not psychology, and I went undecided for a couple, like a year and a half, and so he finally sat me down and he's like, what do you want to do? What do you love to do? And I seriously told him I love to plan parties. <laughs> and I was totally kidding. But, you know, he had learned what I liked. He had learned what I was good at. And then he started asking a lot of questions that led to, well, it sounds like maybe communications is something that you would be interested in. Oh. Legit, you do plan good parties. You I do. love planning parties. You plan good but, parties. I'm really excited it's, it's true. for the upcoming Pachanga. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> but that's how the conversation started. And it was somebody else on the other side just helping me through and identifying what my strengths are and he's like so what do you like about planning a party and so I'm like there's a theme and you've got it all of these different things and so he started getting me toward marketing and advertising and communications and it was through that conversation that I realized okay I guess I'll try communications but I think for us it's it's also our responsibility to help folks out Mm -hmm. um, and to help them figure out what what is the potential um, because without those conversations without us asking them what they're good at and trying to figure like pin, you know just connect the dots for them I feel like a lot of our young people will find themselves in careers that are sort of traditional and that are popular and right. there's nothing wrong with that but there's a whole entire world out there mm-hmm. you know like planning like planning yeah. I know exactly <laughs> like the planning thing you never heard of and what's funny is like years later I was talking to a friend that I had in college and she was like you know I wish I had gotten a degree in planning and I was like really why and she goes you know I just think I would love it I drive down the street and I see these like street names and it occurs to me that that's somebody's job like somebody <laughs> yeah. gets to name the street <laughs> And like I want to name streets too, and I was like, "Dream big, girl. I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna do that. No. But dream big. It's not too late to go back to school. If that's what you want to do." And I was like, nah, they do so much more than that. Planners do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a whole just. It's a crazy world. You yeah, know? I became more aware of what they do. I would say in the last five years. Um, I just never even knew that they really existed or what they really did. But um, over the last five years, I'm like, oh, you all do that. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a very special kind of person that makes that, that profession up. And um, we're just, I'm glad that there's people like that that can think through the growth of a city. Yeah. And then yeah. I help sort of communicate that in exactly yes. in real people terms in real right. people words right because <laughs> the communications world makes things possible for the planning world because when we're trying to blast getting people over to our meetings and we don't take the proper measures communications wise mm-hmm. then guess what there's not going to be anyone at that meeting <laughs> so it's very much intertwined you know is you guys blast everything for us and help us to get the word out and engage the community 
and you know so that we can show our work and yeah. and provide that you know that guidance and that understanding of the neighborhood and like we can't do our job without actually listening right mm -hmm. like i can't come into your neighborhood and tell you what you need because i don't know your neighborhood right you have to tell me what sidewalks are broken and messed up what where you think a stop shine a stop sign should go or a street light or you know um where there should be maybe a rec recreation facility that um, doesn't currently exist and the one that you can get to is like 20 minute drive or mm -hmm. something you know like it's all of those little things that will make your life easier but more so the neighborhood and the area more enjoyable it's about the livability of the right. community so when you get those notices about you there's a planning meeting you should probably go to that. Go to yes. the planning you meeting. Go. I never go. I'm sorry. And I you don't. know what? <laughs> Let me tell you, we were just talking about this offline. It is the same character, but I feel like with everything else in our society, that's changing. Mm -hmm. Like it's not the white male anymore. It's not just the white male anymore. You know, minority women are coming in, taking over, running for more, you know, um, elected official seats and things like that. I mean, it's the same thing in the planning world. Like, more women are coming in, more minorities Yay. are coming in, and, you know, we bring the flavor. This, you know, we, we can relate, and mm -hmm. it's like you, you can't send a very, you know, introverted, technical person to a neighborhood that's full of diversity and not going to understand that world. You have to, right. you have to work with what you have, but also understand that you should have people on the team that look like the community because that's mm -hmm. really important. Like. I'm not going to listen to someone sitting in a meeting that's just talking nothing but planning jargon. I want someone to connect with me. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with anything. And yeah. and so it's a matter of getting your face out there, getting away from your keyboard and going out <laughs> there and talking to people. That's really important and a big juicy part of planning. Yeah. You know? So you're out doing cool planning stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sure it's rough in Denver. It is. <laughs> I have no doubt of that. It is. Oh, my gosh. That's no awesome. doubt. Unsolved mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, people are very vocal here. Absolutely. So I imagine you guys get an earful. We are held accountable. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> no doubt. As the city. <laughs> and then, Erica, in your role, you're doing marketing and communications, but you're also doing Latinas Give, yes. which I think is – really interesting and people need to know more about so tell our listeners what is latinas give why are you doing that yes what's it do um so latinas give as you mentioned earlier is the first philanthropic giving circle latina giving circle in colorado and this idea sort of um was born out of conversation with several individuals who have gone through a leadership program that you and I both have gone through, mm -hmm. the Circle of Latina Leadership, and thinking about you know leadership and sort of the legacy that you want to leave behind and how you want to impact your community and all of these things, right, that really are connected to one another. And um, we thought, hey, we're philanthropists, you know, and. We, we really should come together and pull our resources together to have a bigger impact in our community. And so that's really what a giving circle is, is we all contribute to a fund. And in, the, in this case, Latinas Give is a dollar a day. So for the whole year, it's a dollar each day, so a minimum. Mm -hmm. And anyone who wants to participate in this can, can just become a member, pay a dollar a day, and all of those funds get put together into one big fund and then we 
at the end of each year um, request um, grant proposals from uh, organizations and groups in the community who are directly impacting the Latino community. And we've got sort of our values Mm -hmm. and what we look for. Um, And for us, it really is about programs and services that really are geared toward the Latino community. And so um, I'm so incredibly fortunate that I was part of that, those conversations from the very beginning. And we've been doing it for a couple, for several years now. We're in our fourth year now. And um, we, last year alone, we, um, we do- awarded about $12,000 to a variety of different organizations in Denver and actually throughout Colorado who are having a great impact Um, on the Latino community. But I think what's really important about Latinas Give is that it is about philanthropy and philanthropy back in the day, right? We thought about it as, you know, some white guy who had a ton of money and was Mm -hmm. giving it away. That that was a philanthropist to me for so long. Right, me too. And philanthropy really does look different now. And it's, it's not just about money, but it's about time and and money Mm -hmm. and so we really wanted to bring to light that philanthropy is all of these things and yes it is about money but that there's so much more to it and also owning our own space and philanthropy and I think as a person of color and specifically a Latina when you look back into you know my family and how we um, participated in in our community and how we gave back a lot of it is around your time and and your contributions right. I mean you're volunteering and you're you know you're pulling things together sometimes you're you know you're asking people for money to mm-hmm. be able to fund something that's a philanthropist and so we have to own that space we, we have to yeah. feel like we are worthy of that word and so this group really gets to the heart of that and that we each have a role to play and we all are philanthropists and so wow. I'm incredibly proud to be part of this uh, of this amazing group of women who um, just really want to have an impact but also changing the the world of philanthropy and that's a legacy that we will mm-hmm. leave behind so that my hope is that people who are younger than me realize that they can be philanthropists and that they are philanthropists and that this is what it looks like so yeah yeah I think it's a way of disrupting the system in a sense right I mean my background's in nonprofits and and even when you when you're going through that world as a nonprofit, you are so you like the really the foundations are like the gatekeepers to all the money. They right. are the gatekeepers. Exactly. And there's no way, almost no way to operate around them. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Foundations do really great work in the community, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have roots in the community that you're trying to serve or have any direct connection to the cause that you're trying to bring out into the world the thing that you're trying to change and so there's I saw it being on that side of things like this disconnect at times where it was like well you have all of the money right (laughs) and there wasn't and but there was like you had to just work so hard at selling them at something that maybe was never going to be important to them and so it's almost like they get to decide what's important right instead of you as a community saying this is important to us and we're going to fund it right and so it's it's different it's a different approach completely to philanthropy because people do think of philanthropists as a being a foundation 
like you know the foundation of whatever 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 like the walton foundation or whatever or being like some very wealthy typically white male individual that just is Writes like, off checks. Writes checks, right? <laughs> but nobody knows who that person is right. in real life. Right. <laughs> or thank you for everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is, if there is that person, they're filtering their money through a foundation. Right. So then now you're back at this weird power dynamic with right. between the community and foundations. Although they're trying to do really great work, there's still a power dynamic where those dynamics are out of whack, in my opinion. Right. And in order to disrupt that, you have to come up with things like this, where like Latinas give, where you're like, wait a second, we are philanthropists too. And we don't have to give you our money and you decide what happens to it. We can just pool our money and decide what happens to it. And by the way, you should probably be filtering that money that you already have through here because it's directly connected to this community that you say you want to serve. Yeah. Well, and I do want to clarify that, you know, with our with our group, um, our fund does live in a foundation right. because we need the support that foundations have. Right. right. But it is a donor advised fund. Right. Which but I means think Denver that, does it differently than a traditional right. foundation does. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we get to decide who that money right. goes to wow. and how much money. So I think what's also really cool about this is that you don't realize that a small amount of money can really make mm-hmm. an impact on sort of the very grassroots programs and services yeah. that you may see um, in in different communities. So, you know, we have grant applications that are sometimes just five hundred dollars mm-hmm. because that's what they need for their little program, um, or sometimes it's you know fifteen hundred dollars because they need some, um, you know, some kind of equipment for something. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, they they are definitely smaller. Um, grants but you know for us it's the idea that you know my money is now more than clearly more than doubling like what I was going to give each year just turned into thousands and thousands of Mm -hmm. dollars because we all pulled that money together and so it's really cool to say like hey we we awarded twelve thousand dollars this year and you know so it's it's um yeah, it's been a very awesome experience and something that I'm incredibly proud of and I'm just so grateful that I get to be part of it. Absolutely. So how can somebody learn more about Latinas Give or get involved? Yeah, so it's perfect timing <laughs> for this. Um, so we are currently looking for members. Again, it's a minimum of $1 a day. We're on Facebook. That's probably the best way to to um, to get a hold of us and it's Latinas Latina, Latinas Give Denver. My goodness, Latinas <laughs> Give Denver. Um, so look us up. But we, our fund is also at the Denver Foundation, and so um, you should be able to get more information on um, on the on the website as well. But right. Facebook's a really good place. Yes, to... Facebook is a good place. Know that your dollars, however small you might think they are, matter, and this is one way to increase your impact. Yes. Um, in the community so please join us join we'd it. love to have more individuals honestly my my dream for it is like wouldn't it be cool to say that we have 100 women in denver that mm-hmm. are part of latinas give who are each giving a dollar a day like yay how much money is that i'm pretty sure i've made the calculation <laughs> but i can't think of it right now but it would be so cool i mean there's no reason why we can't have that right yeah um because i know that 
women do, you know, Latinas are giving money away. We we do give away. We are philanthropists. Mm-hmm. You're philan- we are all philanthropists. And I think it's a particularly important in this moment in, in time, mm-hmm. in this country, in this political climate, right. where um, communities of color in particular are feeling even feeling attacked like outright attacked um and and being told that they have nothing of value to offer and and so we we can't rely on a government entity or any other entity to try to improve things in our communities but we do have the power to do it ourselves exactly so get involved uh start a latinas give in your city yes (laughs) there are several um uh, giving circles across the nation that we've um, become acquainted with through this process and um, everyone's always willing to be so helpful and share their lessons learned and it took us a while to get it started but we wanted to you know just go slow and steady and I think what's really also interesting about this group is that there it is made up of women who are leaders in the community who are already you know um, either executive directors of organizations or you know, doing great work, volunteer work, part of boards. And Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, these are busy women. And so we created it so that you can come in and out as you choose. So we do have a monthly meeting um, that all members are invited to. And usually it's a small group of folks who show up. um, But what's really cool is that you can come and go as you please. So there are times when I can't make it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh no I haven't been there in two months but mm-hmm. I also miss the women because they they do pr- energize me I mean everyone's doing incredible work individually whether it's through their work or their volunteer um, uh, work that they're doing so they inspire me each and every day um, so I, I always try to spend more time with them because they're awesome <laughs> <laughs> another reason to join yeah. yes we have awesome women you know and we always have wine and, and wine and That's food. That's always a good idea. I know. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to sign you up. Yeah, I'm going to need to talk to you after this. I yeah. can't believe I'm not already a part of this. Yes, you have to. Yeah, let's talk. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, so Valerie, you brought us a really cool story of someone I've never heard of before. Sure, yeah. An impactful woman, woman that I bet none of our listeners have heard of either absolutely and that's what that's part of the big piece of this show right is right, uh, like we like to you know share the stories of really cool women doing really cool things so other people can know and be inspired and maybe become like city planners like you or start the next latinas give in their city absolutely so the person that i brought today to talk about is jane jacobs she is deceased um may 4th 1916 to april 25th 2006 So I can relate to Jane Jacobs. I think that this will also tie in well to, you know, the conversations we've had, like displacement or feeling attacked as Mm -hmm. as a neighborhood, as a as a a race, right? Mm -hmm. And so Jane Jacobs was a really cool broad. She was. uh, (laughs) We like really cool broads. Yeah, she she's awesome. She was born in Pennsylvania, um, but in uh, let's see here. 1935 during the great depression moved to new york settled there she's she was married had children um but didn't like what she was seeing in her neighborhoods with the change right there was this guy um his name was uh, robert moses and he was a well-known architect developer um really a shining star in the urban planning world in the 1950s 
but his he was advocating for um, you know things like putting highways through you know bulldozing neighborhoods and putting highways through because we have to accommodate the automobile okay and so uh, you know, Jane Jacobs didn't like what she was seeing. She didn't like seeing people pushed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was that person out there rallying and protesting for, you know, that development to be shut down and for that, that, that um, you know, highway not to come through the neighborhoods because all these people and families were going to be displaced. Um, but I also want to say that she was a very powerful woman in the 50s because as you know in that time you know women didn't have much of a voice right they didn't have power again the planning world is a very male dominated male oriented um world and so uh she did not have any she didn't have a college degree or any formal training in urban planning um so that was one of the things that they really criticized her on is you know um one of the developers said uh, you know, who's this crazy dame? You know, like she, <laughs> dame. she yeah, yeah. Does she but, have oh. victory rolls in her hair? She, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, you know, stuff like that and just kind dame. of trying to belittle be her, you know. Um, but Jane Jacobs, you know, she just kept on rolling through and ended up, you know, in 1956. This was really cool. Uh, she delivered a lecture at the Harvard University, standing in for a male colleague um, with the Architectural Forum, which was this uh, paper that she was writing for for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, during that uh, lecture, she addressed leading architects, planners, intellectuals speaking on the topic of East Harlem. So East Harlem was going through a lot of quote unquote gentrification at the time, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so she urged the audience to, quote, respect in the deepest sense strips of chaos that have a weird wisdom of their own not yet encompassed in our concept of urban order. Um, and so, I, you know, contrary to her ex- expectations, the talk was received with enthusiasm, but also marked as a threat um, to established urban planners and real estate owners and developers at that time, you know, because she was the one standing in the way like we need to make this an inclusive you know environment we need to think about everyone Mm -hmm. not just certain people um so she really battled that that fight in in the 50s um and it was this kind of saving grace of urban planning and really um brought forth this understanding of inclusive inclusiveness you know which is something that we still talk about today right is like we have to worry about everybody we can't just build for one type of person like it needs to be inclusive environment we need to make things equal and so i just thought it was really incredible that at a time when women were definitely silenced more so than anything she just went out there you know I think at one rally she even got arrested for protesting yeah. Yeah. a highway. She is a cool bride. So, so yeah, you know. Um, I mean, she, oh, and sorry, the most important. Th- oh, look, I even brought a picture of Jacob versus Robert Moses, who was the developer that wanted to bulldoze all the neighborhoods and we're Team Jacob. Put the yeah the highway through. But if you haven't read it, um, you need to read the book her famous book it's in the planning world it's called the death and life of great american cities um it remains one of the most influential books in history and um where jane was able to join uh, to coin phrases like social capital mixed primary uses and eyes on the street which is really cool because you know she talks she advocates a lot in her time about 
you know, facing buildings towards the street and fronting them towards the street and not putting the side or rear so that it's there's no eyes on the street. And that was kind of her way of saying, like, we need to keep an eye on our neighborhood. We need to keep our neighborhood safe. People should have, for example, she was a big advocate of porches and stoops. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't see houses built with those anymore. But Jane Jacobs thought, like, every house should be fronting the street and have a stoop on it. Well, so and people it creates, can hang like, out. Yeah, it's hanging it out. It's a pedestrian yeah. environment, like, you know? A, more of a sense of community yeah. instead of looking at a brick wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> And so one of the quotes from her book I just wanted to finish up with is, cities have the capability of providing for everybody only because and only when they are created by everybody. So that's my favorite quote from her. And she's an amazing woman in my book. She's a cool frog. <laughs> I like a her cool a lot. Yeah. Never heard of her before today. The Death and Life of American Cities. Check out her book. All right. So is that available on Amazon? Do you know? Did you notice? Everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's super cheap. It's an old book. It was uh, from 1956. So. And you can probably get it at your local library. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For free. But if you want a nice introduction to, you know, what planning should be and what it, what it consists of and, mm -hmm. and just on a community level, how it impacts people, that book is a really great one to read. Yeah, so give it to your daughters. I mean, we talk a lot on this show about women disrupting industries, whether by design or just because they were bold enough to try something different. So, you know, right now the conversation is all around STEM, which is great, but what about these other industries that maybe are less traditional, less well-known, right. so introduce these things explore if you're listening yourself as a young person going through college or know someone encourage those people to explore new avenues and just take classes because they sound interesting i mean you can always drop it in the first couple weeks know that <laughs> so, <laughs> right. it's before sense, the so. drop date before the drop date know your drop dates people <laughs> right and, you know, actually, if I can just take a quick opportunity to say, um, as a mentor of, of young people, um, so I actually probably forgot to mention in my bio for you, but I'll just say <laughs> that um, I, I've been for the last year in a mentor program called Colorado Youth at Risk mm -hmm. that just um, transitioned over and merged into Denver Urban Scholars. Um, and so my mentee, her name's Tiara, and she just turned 17 in March. We've been together for a year, and so we're starting our second year together here. Um, the, our second year started in April, um, but she's going into her senior year, and I guess I just want to take this time to say, like, in mentoring a young adult, a teenager, they just need, like, an ear mm -hmm. to listen to them and to give them some attention and to ask them and be an advisor, be a, be a guide of you know, pulling those things out, those strengths, like what is it that they're good at or what is it that they sound interested in? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, definitely want to encourage your listeners to take that time and lend that ear and talk to someone young because they need our guidance. Like they just need that quick light bulb. And whether that takes a couple weeks or a year to establish like that mentor program that I was able to be a part of this last year with Tierra has been super helpful not just for her but for me too and and understanding myself more you know and, right. and finding patience too and you know I mean I, I my heart goes out to all the moms out there because it's <laughs> like geez man I have a best friend that has four daughters none of them are teenagers yet but I can tell you that I can deal with my best friend's four daughters over one teenager any day <laughs> 
it's a hard job and you know we like to shut them out and we like to say that they don't know what they're talking about and we don't like to listen but they've got a lot to say mm-hmm. you know and and they they have opinions too and they can contribute they just don't know how you right. know so it, it's just a matter of listening so Absolutely. I'll echo that that I actually um was a mentee when I was younger oh wow yeah but I went through the big brothers big sisters oh, program okay. of Colorado when I first moved here and um I mentoring I feel like over when I was younger and even into adulthood like mentoring really does work so I'm a big fan of it absolutely so how could somebody get involved in a program like big brothers big sisters or Denver urban scholars um, well, Denver Urban Scholars works with a few schools locally, um, and it just kind of depends. Like, they do a few online programs. Um, they do a lot of charter schools, but they also have a few public schools incorporated, mm-hmm. like East and George Washington. Um, so uh, my mentee goes to East, um, and it's it's I'm still learning the ropes because Colorado Youth at Risk, or CYAR, we just merged um, and one of the one of the new roles I'll be taking with Denver Urban Scholars is being a group leader because one of the things that I want to preserve from Colorado Youth at Risk is the intimacy that our group had. Mm-hmm. So I started with 20 mentors and 20 mentees, and we, fr- from the point of being strangers, were taken up to the mountains for a three-day weekend, no cell phones, no technology, just getting to know each other, doing all these activities. So through that experience we built like this really really strong tightly knit family Mm. so that merging over into Denver Urban Scholars I just want to make sure that that's not that doesn't go away Mm -hmm. you know so I I signed up to be a group leader so I'll have I believe it's six to eight pairs under me Um, but you know what I mean the way I found the program is just you know I was looking for volunteer opportunities so I googled volunteer opportunities and I'm sure that if there are students out there that are interested in having a mentor, that they can just Google mentor opportunities mm-hmm. or mentor programs. And there are a ton in Colorado. I mean, like, yeah, there are a lot. There are so many to connect with. And, and it, Big Brothers, Big Sisters is a national program, right? Yeah, it is. It, yeah. So maybe Google Big Brothers, Big Sisters, see if there's a chapter in your city. Or even ask someone maybe at their school, mm-hmm. you know, do they associate with any organizations that provide mentorships or um, you know, a mentor to guide you through. So, I mean, I'm super excited to roll with Tierra through her senior year, but I'd also feel like a little bit nervous and intimidated of her to take on the world, you yeah. know, because we've built this relationship <laughs> together. But she's just, she's yeah, an incredible don't screw young it up. woman. I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, I have to stay on her for a, her attendance, man. Let me tell you, these kids don't want to go to school. <laughs> it's a lot of come to Jesus talks. It yeah, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, do you think I want to show up at work in every day? No. So just, just go. <laughs> That's <was> funny. <laughs> Valerie, how can somebody connect with you or learn more about you? Sure. Sure. Um, I, I actually will provide my um, my personal email. So is that OK? Yeah. All right. It's cool. your email. No, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> um, and, you know, any students out there, any young women that are looking for a mentor or just some guidance or a coaching, um, please feel free to reach out. Um, you can reach me at vmherrera14 at outlook.com. So that's V as in Victor, M as in Mary, my last name, H-E-R-R-E-R-A. One four at outlook.com. Don't be a creeper. Please all say that. (laughs) (laughs) And Erica, how can somebody learn more about you, your work, or connect with you? Yeah, so um, I don't do well with email because I am, uh, I feel like work email just 
it overwhelms me. So <laughs> checking my personal email doesn't quite work. But I am on LinkedIn. Um, so you can look me up, Erica Reyes Martinez. And I'm also on Twitter. So what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I feel like you were going to ask me that. And I just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Twitter handle? 303 Martinez. I was going to say, is it the same as Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 303 Martinez. Yep. So connect with Erica on Twitter. It's probably the easiest. Yes. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Valerie M. Herrera. Great. Or for the Latinos, Herrera. Herrera. <laughs> Roll <Yes>. those ours. <laughs> Roll them hard, girl. Thank you so much for sharing about Jane Moses and your work and Latinas Give and everything you guys are doing right now. I'm so happy that you guys were able to come on the show and share all this with our listeners. Uh, Listeners, make sure you share this episode. Get your your kids, get your young girls, your daughters to listen to it because there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. Make sure you head over to iTunes. Leave us a review, five-star review, preferably. I mean, come on, I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) And as usual, if you have any feedback for me or this show, you are always welcome to send us an email at that's what she did at Gmail. No, that's wrong. Scratch that. <laughs> that's not it. It's that's that's what she did. Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Tenjia. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Until next time. Bye-bye.